0: Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the jobs they really love. So in addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book available. You can find Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon. I don't have a guest today, but I am bringing you one of our most popular features, which is some highlights from the job searching group that I run here in Denver. Technically, we meet on Zoom, so you can join us from wherever you are in the world. Just look for the Brown Bag Job Search Group on meetup.com. Yes, I know. It's another ridiculously long name. That is the Brown Bag Job Search Group on meetup.com. So in particular, we're gonna talk about one of my favorite topics to teach people, which is how to track down the hiring managers. Now, you're not gonna get absolutely everything from this meeting that I did earlier. However, I want you to get some ideas to think outside the box, gain some courage, and be willing to track down and reach out to these hiring managers directly. So, anyways, a bit more about our show. Our purpose is to explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, millennials, and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. So, every show, we explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Careers Services. We are one of Denver's top rated career coaches. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or you know, you can just Google it. Let's talk about why you really want to find these hiring managers. Because believe it or not, this is the strategic game changer when you get to implement it the right way. So first and foremost, let's define who we're talking about when I'm meaning hiring managers. So this is not the person in HR it's not the screening person, it's not the recruiter, it's not even the vice president or the chief human resources officer or anything like this. This is the person who would be your actual future boss. Makes sense? As I have so many times worked with people or I'm doing the free consultation, because we do offer that to you, I forgot to mention, we do a free 30-minute consultation and resume review. Um, And I'll talk to somebody and ask them, what are they doing for their job search beyond just applying? And they're like, well, I go to all this effort to find the recruiter and I message them on LinkedIn or I'll send them my resume and I don't get anything back. It's like, because HR is trained to stonewall you, that's not your target. Don't waste hours trying to figure out who those people are. They already have your resume. We want to find your future boss. So here's the other big question I hear all the time why would they even wanna talk to you? Because everybody assumes, oh no, they're like up on this pedestal and they never would wanna talk to job seekers or things like this, but here's the truth. Oftentimes hiring managers are just as frustrated with the recruitment process as the job seekers themselves. So let me give you an example. When I did HR, one of the positions I did have to hire for would be people in the IT department. Now, I don't really know or understand IT. I don't know my Java from my C++ from a mainframe. And yes, I'm even showing my age that I know a mainframe is a thing, (laughs) right? So if I had to screen people in these particular fields, I would just have to rely on those keywords within the resume itself. I have no idea on if the person is competent in that skill or not. All I know is the word is on the resume. So me and HR go, I assume this is a highly qualified candidate. And then get through the screening process. Again, I'm doing screening interviews, not knowing what these people are really talking about. I'm just checking boxes. Did they say the word? Yes, they did. And then the manager receives these resumes and they go, these people are not qualified at all. This isn't what I'm looking for at all. This won't fit in with my team. Why would you send me this? But they can't say that to my face because that's rude. The other thing is the timing. HR, the screening process from when they post the job to when they're finally producing candidates for the management team can take anywhere from two weeks to six weeks. During all that time frame, the managers are like, my team is drowning. We need to hire somebody. Why is it taking so long? That's another reason why they are very open to the idea of having people approach them directly. As a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why companies have referral programs in place. Referral program being, hey, we're going to ask our employees today to recommend their friends and family who might be a good fit. And then that employee earns a bonus when that person gets hired because it's a way to leapfrog over the slow, ponderous HR system. Here's one of the best things an actual hiring manager can do for you is they can resurrect you from the dead. So even if you go through all this work to hire, to crack down these hiring managers, they don't get back to you, you hear radio silence, they may not actually call you. They may call down to the HR department and say, hey, you know, I'm interested in Dave today and I want to set up an interview. Can, you? Know, did he apply for this position? And HR goes, well, you know, he did, but he was missing one of our qualifications, so we screened him out. The hiring manager goes, I don't care, set up the interview anyways. And now they can actually resurrect you from that cut pile and you get the interview even though HR initially screened you out. It's because the hiring manager's voice trumps HR procedure. So let's talk about our first challenge when we're looking at finding these hiring managers. And it's, of course, figuring out who is going to be the right person. So I like to look at a few different sources when we're hunting for that name. So the company's website is gonna be an obvious one. And in particular, we wanna look in some different places than what you might think of just initially. Obviously, LinkedIn is gonna be one of our top sources our networking groups, and finally our personal network. So the things we're looking for on that website is of course there's the management team or the about us. Some of the ones you might not immediately think of are the blog posts. I like to go back into the blog for that website because sometimes it will cite either the person who is posting it or it will mention key managers. The other big one that most people don't know, and sometimes you have to search for it, is the news or media room. That's special, not just for hunting for names, but also for finding trigger events. The trigger event is any excuse to reach out to a hiring manager because every single press release they do will be in the media or the news room, whether it gets picked up by the news or media or not. So all their key announcements, all their acolytes they're giving to themselves, any announcements of managers being promoted or newly hired, it's all going to be in that news or media room. So this is just a wonderful source of information that you might not have known about before. So let's talk about networking groups. Uh, Obviously, if you're sitting in the room today with somebody who's got a direct connection to your hiring manager, like... They went to school with this guy, and they were, you know, roommates and buddies all the way through college. And they also love you, and they think you're amazing. Then they'll just take your resume right over, and boom! Congratulations, you've just got the holy grail. Doesn't happen all that often. What you're more likely to see is somebody who was a current or a past employee, and somebody who knows somebody at the target company. This is why anytime you walk into, especially a job searching networking group, being able to talk about your top three to five companies, as well as your target jobs, helps others think in those terms of, oh, I do know somebody at CenturyLink, or yeah, I worked at CenturyLink before, trust me, you don't want to go there, whatever the case may be that's the kind of information we're looking for from people so here's what you would actually ask these people so this is my husband ryan and he has been with john's mandible for over 25 years actually he quit 25 years today so that's a while and he goes why would you give my name to anybody i don't know anything of value and i go well ryan you know your manager's name, right? He goes, well, yes. I go, and you know her email address, right? He goes, well, yes, of course. And I'm like, but you also know her boss, right? He's like, well, yeah. And you know her email address? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, and you know their boss? And he's like, yes, of course, Donna. I know all these people and I know all their email addresses. I'm like, Ryan, don't you see how valuable that is to somebody on the outside who doesn't know any of that? And he had to, be, he had to shut up because I was right, imagine that. <laughs> but those are the kind of things you're looking for when you're talking to a, a former or current employee in your network. The other thing is like ask about the hiring procedures, what's the company culture like? And most importantly, what are the company challenges because not only will that reveal if you want to work there or not, it gives you an in on what to talk about in your cover letters or your messages to these managers. Because if you have a good reason for them to reach out to you, and that reason is never that you want a job, it's all about what can you do for them. And if you understand their challenges, you can phrase that a lot better. So What if you get a whole bunch of different vice presidents and you're not sure which one's going to be your right target? Technically, they all are. You want to send your resume to every possible decision maker that you find. Don't get all frozen in analysis paralysis because you're not sure if it was Bill or Bob, because here's what's going to happen. So say there's a job posted, you find Bill and Bob, right? Get all their contact information, nail it all. So you send your resume to both of them. And uh, Bill over here actually has the job, but he didn't open your email. It hit a spam, trashed, never opened it. But Bob does. So Bob realizes this job is for Bill and he forwards the email over to Bill. Now Bill opens it because it comes from Bob. Ta-da, now you've hit another possible source that you wouldn't have just because you're being brave enough to hit more than one person. So obviously we found them on LinkedIn. The next thing we want to do is send a contact request, but is that going to even be effective? Well, yes, if they're active on the site. So how can we tell, we're going to take a look at their profile, their number of connections, their published articles, and if they have any recent activity. So specifically when I'm looking at somebody's profile, these are going to be your tips that this is a heavier user of LinkedIn. So I have a custom URL. I customized my background. I have a premium account. I have a robust custom headline. All of this stuff says I know what I am doing, at least better than your average bear. In your activity block in someone's profile, you see how many followers they have. That will show you how active they are on LinkedIn. You can actually click on that and it will show you all their recent activity and dates. So if you click on that and you see that they've done nothing but hit like or say congratulations on colleagues and they do it maybe once a week, That's a pretty good sign that their assistant is doing it for them. So now that we got their contact information, we know we're going to have to reach out to them. What are we going to say? So this is where the next big stumbling block that people run into. They're trying to figure out how to write the perfect cover letter or craft the perfect message. And they get stuck into this research cycle, right? It's very easy to go, okay, I need to find out everything about the company, the position, uh, their challenges, their competitors, and everything, and then I'll spend two or three days doing all the research uh, and never taking action. That's the analysis paralysis. So here's the absolute worst thing you can do. I was mortified when this one happened to me. So I had a client who really, really, really wanted to work for the Denver Zoo. And I, uh, he searched through my contacts. He saw that I was connected to somebody else at the Denver Zoo. And that other person actually was a past client of mine from a few years back. So it's like, yes, of course, I'll make you an invitation. I'll connect you to Joe Schmo, whatever the case may be. So in the email, which was actually, I did it through LinkedIn connections. You know, I just sent a group message to the two of them and said, please feel free to connect. And my newer client immediately said, I saw this job posted. Will you walk my resume over to the hiring manager? And I honestly was mortified. He did nothing to build a relationship with this person he immediately asked for one of the biggest favors you can ask for without establishing even the other person's role at the denver zoo which was in an entirely different department just like worlds apart you couldn't be more worlds apart and yeah you know, he pitches the job to the wrong person i was just absolutely mortified don't ever do that you know let's address the elephant in the room if we will and The right way to do this is either set up a conversation or at least bare minimum, ask about the other person, get to know them, especially if they're not the direct hiring manager. Why in the world would somebody do favors for you if you're not even willing to find out about their career and who they are and how they like working where they're at? It's just like basic human courtesy. So don't do that, please. Now you do wanna do a little bit of professional stalking. So what I'm looking for is the relevant news and trigger events. So those trigger events, remember it's any excuse to reach out to a manager, whether there is a job opening or not. That last bit is the big clue. That's gonna find our jobs in the hidden market, whether there's a job opening or not. So maybe the company got a new award or they won a major contract. Uh, People who get promoted, Denver Business Journal is great for that as a local resource. By the way, most major metropolitan areas have business journals, so that's one reason to subscribe to them. Every single issue, it has people who were promoted in management roles or newly hired. Every single one of those is an excuse to reach out to those people. Uh, Sometimes an office move, going remote, going hybrid, going back to the office, every single one of those are trigger events because every single one of those are going to cause some attrition in their current workforce. Now, we do want to personalize these cover letters. So I know I said don't throw for analysis paralysis, but you do need to understand at least some of the basics about the company and especially those challenges. Also, really emphasize your passion for the job. This is not HR. Your hiring manager doesn't care that you have excellent communication skills. They wanna know why do you care about them, their company, their industry? What makes you excited about this job? And then the big thing, if you can prove how you can make money, save money, or solve problems, they are much more motivated to call you or to reach out to the HR department to make sure that you are going to get an interview. And no, you don't have to do all three, it's just one. Make money, save money, or solve problems. So you didn't get any response? Well, the game's not over yet. Chances are you're probably not gonna hear back from them, but doesn't mean all this effort was wasted. This is exactly those points where the hiring manager reaches back to the HR department to get you resurrected. And what sounds is cool about this is that you actually get a much better interview than if you had not reached out to the hiring manager. So let me give you an example. One of my clients, uh, because I've been known to send the resume for a receptionist to the CEO of the company. And this was exactly this case. It was for an oil and gas company here in Denver. So we figure out who the CEO is. Wasn't that difficult? Small company, tracked them down pretty easy and sent over the resume and then we heard nothing. So she thought it didn't work. And she gets called in for an interview a few weeks later and she sits down with not just the basic HR recruiter, she sits down with the director of HR. And the very first question she gets asked was, our CEO wants to know why you wanna work with us so badly. To which she had no answer because she wasn't expecting it. She thought it didn't work. So uh, yeah, she blew the interview, unfortunately, because that's, how do you overcome that if you think weren't expecting it? So when you're doing all this effort to reach out to hiring managers, expect to have an interview where you're going to be asked those kind of questions or at least looked at very carefully because the, man, you know, the manager's already interested in you. So this is all that essence of finding that personal touch. Number one, you got to find the name. Number two, figure out who they are and finally get your resume in their hands. I have one last story for you on this. One of my favorite clients of all time, one of the great successes, and this goes back. This goes way back. This was like in 2009 or 2010, right? So we are right in the height of the recession. And I was working with a person and she had gone back to school after having an IT career and didn't wanna do IT anymore. She wanted to actually move into marketing and the creative side of marketing. I know very different worlds. Talk about HR throwing up the blinders and the black and white thinking. They they would have a hard time accepting that change. So she was getting ready to graduate from Metro State, and she was starting to look for jobs. And she was reaching out to these hiring managers because I knew she was going to have the challenge with being a job changer. So... We get in touch with the manager with this company. She goes through the interview process. And in the end, she was missing one of the key qualifications. She didn't know how to use Adobe Creative Suite yet. And it was going to be a significant part of this job, you know, especially using Photoshop and InDesign and a few other key programs in there. They wanted her so much for this role that they actually sent her to training. For how to use Adobe Suite, like one of those very expensive week long corporate intensive kind of trainings that are several thousand dollars. And they paid for that before they hired her. So it was all about talking about her passions, understanding their company and how she could help them solve problems and make money. That was the thing, the big catalyst that got her the interview and got her the job. This is how powerful it can be when you track down these hiring managers and get your resumes directly into their hands. So I hope you learned some great stuff today. As I mentioned, we do offer a free 30-minute consultation. We'll look at your resume and talk about your job search. Just come to my company website, which is personaltouchcareerservices.com. And come to the contact page. You can book an appointment directly there. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or, you know, you can just Google it because that's an insane name. now we get to talk about my favorite part of the show where we're going to discuss some tattoos and kind of keeping with our theme of courage and doing things you may not have done before like tracking down hiring managers I wanted to see what kind of barriers people might have towards getting their next tattoo and of course one of the things people always ask is will this hurt Hello, people. It's a tattoo. Of course, it's going to hurt. But in case you want to be a little bit more wimpy than others, or maybe you want to take the extremely brave route and just go for the most painful tattoo possible, I did a little research. I found this awesome article from Healthline about the most painful body parts to get tattooed. That's right. They have a full-on chart of the body, colorful, from, eh, this ain't so bad to, oh my God, what was I thinking? And you know what? Some of the ones that were scoring the very hardest to take were not what I thought they were going to be. So in general, your most painful tattoos are gonna be any part of your body with many nerve endings, close to bones, especially if there's not much fat, or where your skin is very thin. So that's where the pain is going to be from high to severe. So are you ready to hear the number one? It's your armpit. Okay. Number one, how many people are getting their armpits tattooed without it being a joke? But seriously, apparently armpits are among the most painful places. Although some people do report it is the most painful place. Um, Well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, most people are ticklish in their armpits, so we know they're kind of sensitive already, but there you go. If you really want to prove that uh, you're boss level on the pain tolerance scale, go get your armpit tattooed. Second most is the one I think a lot of people think of when they hear of a painful tattoo, and that's along the rib cage. So you think about it, it's uh, a lot of boniness, not a whole ton of fat. Well, depend unless you're like me, and then there's gonna be a little bit more fatting around there, right? <laughs> Some people have more padding on their ribcage than others. i just is all I'm saying. But every single time you breathe, you remove your rib cage and the skin above it. So yeah, that's actually gonna make it a lot more intense because you know you can't just stop breathing. For four hours while you're getting your tattoo done, um, unless you're being like really wimpy and then you get like one sentence and it took you 30 minutes and then you've still passed out from pain. I won't judge you very much, but uh, yeah, rib cages, I'm probably never going to do that one myself. Next on this pain scale is the ankles and the shins. So your ankle bones and your shins lie just beneath another thin layer of skin making it very painful to get tattooed there. So I've actually had my shins done and it wasn't on the actual shin bone itself that got me. It was like the skin channel running right next to the shin because that's where for me, all the nerves congealed. And it's like, yeah, it was kind of sucked going over the bone, but it was the nerves that were way, way worse. Uh, but also I will wimp out on the ankle issue. I've thought about getting ankle tattoos before and I even have a couple of tattoos that are like right above where my, um, you know, the Achilles tendon is. I thought about going right on it, but I just wimped out. That's all. My ankles are really bad and I just don't need to suffer through them. Uh, next there's nipples and breasts can hurt quite a bit. This can be different for men than women. Not going to go there, but we know certain genders, stereotypically speaking, are going to have more fatty deposits in this area than others. So there you go. Now, surprisingly enough, the next one on the list didn't rank higher, but it's the groin. Yeah, again... Same kind of thing with your armpits. Not sure why you would need to get a tattoo there. Not a choice I would make. If that's you, you do you, pal. I have talked before on the podcast about how important it is to have tattoos that you can easily cover. Mm, Definitely falls into that category. But, uh, yeah, believe it or not, your groin has got a lot of nerve endings. And that's going to be irritated by tattoo needles. So yeah, again, ranked high to severe on the pain scale. Next up is another bony and nervy area, which is our elbows and kneecaps. These ones are ranked just about equal on the pain scale. So again, you're seeing a theme here, bones, thin skin. And here's what sucks is literally the vibrations of the Tattoo needle itself kind of like echoes through your bones when it's on your elbows. So, you ever hit your funny bone? Imagine hitting your funny bone thousands of times over the course of hours, and you're starting to see the picture. Now, doesn't all those old timer grizzly dudes with the spider's tattoos on their elbows look a little bit more badass? Yeah. That's a little bit more badass now. Now, your hips are another area, bony, thin skin. And then, now we're getting into the neck and spine after this. Finally, where are we going to finish this up? Your head, face, and ears. This one, I think, is a little bit too generic the way they have it listed. Now, my middle child, they did get a... All of these, technically... (laughs) (laughs) They have it all. They have the neck, they have the face, they have the head. And I believe they reported that the head one was the most painful. So specifically what they did is they had a mohawk at the time. So just went right over the good old skull. And yeah, not a fun party time, but it does look pretty dang cool. And also easy to grow the hair out in case you ever need to hide that but you would think the face tattoos kind of negate that. It's okay, they're a professional piercer. They're heavily invested into body modification. Just saying, whatever makes them happy. Uh, your lips can be painful too. Also, also uh, they'll swell and bruise. So prepared to look a little weird for a while. And I think those are the ones that are the most painful that are worth mentioning. Uh, On the other end of the scale, you want to get your toe dipped into the tattooing arts, so to speak. Let's talk about the ones that are the least painful. And I think number one is the forearm. (sighs) I had a tattoo done here a long, 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 long time ago. I mean, like, maybe... 30 years ago at this point, but the original tattoo up on my right forearm, lots of fat, lots of muscle, skin as well, thick and everything, I fell asleep. It is literally the only tattoo I ever got where I fell asleep in the chair. So that gives you an idea on where that one ranks on the pain scale. Calves, I hear different reports. My calves were really easy to get tattooed, But for guys, apparently, it's more painful. So you can see that just based on different physiologies, you can have different pain scales based on men and women as to where that's going to hurt the most. Uh, Also, your experience level with getting a tattoo, obviously the more experienced are you with getting tattoos done, the more solid you're gonna sit in the chair, basically. The first tattoo you get will almost always be the most painful one you ever get because you never know what to expect. It's your very first time going through this. So there you go. Just a few things on the pain scale about tattoos. I found this to be a pretty interesting article. They got a fun video to go with it. It's only like a minute long. So I'll put the link into our podcast, but check out Healthline. And I thought it was rather interesting. So there you go. Thanks for listening to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from sounddogs.com and epidemicsound.com. Support the arts. We certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at PersonaltouchCareerServices.com. Once again, that's PersonaltouchCareerServices.com. Or you can just Google it.